Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Happy Father's Day to you dads. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we're currently studying the Bible in an effort to get to know a man named David. And here's what we know about David thus far. God chose David to be Israel's second king. Now, not many people knew that at this point. God told a prophet named Samuel. Samuel told David. When he told David, he was in the presence of David's father, Jesse. And they were in the presence of David's older brothers, seven of them. So I'm thinking if I counted right, that means ten people knew. Is that correct? Is that correct? Now, they had to keep this kind of on the down low. Because Israel's first king was still alive, he was still on the throne, he was still in power, and he knew that he was going to be replaced. And so if he found out who the replacement was, he would have had him killed. Now, how would you suppose David react to discovering that God had chosen him to be a king? If God had told you, you're going to be a king, what's the first thing you would do? Would you imagine that David went to a high-end men's fashion store uh, looking to uh, build a wardrobe full of robes? You know, he needs the uh, special event robe with all the sequins and perhaps in a nice velour. Maybe he needs a day-to-day lounging robe, just something to wear around the, the castle. You know, maybe he needs a good camouflage robe for a hunting season. I don't know. Would you imagine he would go online and go to a crown outlet? You know, I need, I'm going to need a handful of crowns. You know, one for riding on the tractor. You know, I don't know, another for sitting, you know, where when I'm sitting around the pool. Maybe he went to a furniture store looking for thrones. I need one with the right lumbar support. Maybe something that would recline. If it would vibrate, that's all the better. After all, I'm still, I am going to be a king. You know what David did when he found out that God had chosen him to be a king? He got his stuff together and went back out in the field and started keeping watch over his dad's sheep and goats. He just picked up where he left off. What a level-headed, down-to-earth, normal guy David was. I'm going to tell you a story this morning that's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And here's what I'm up against as a communicator. It's a story every one of you have heard. It's a story that every one of you heard so many times you could come up here and tell it. But yet I've got to tell it to you again. So I'm going to do it relatively quickly. You're going to get the uh, Reader's Digest version of the story of David and Goliath. Now, as the story was beginning, there was a battle brewing. Philistines, arch enemies of the Israelites mustered their forces together, and marched on Israel. Word gets to King Saul. He puts the Israelite armies together. He marches out to meet the Philistines. They come together at a place called the Valley of Elah. The Philistines are on one side of the valley, the Israelites on the other. The day of the big confrontation comes, and the Israelite soldiers form a battle line, the Philistine soldiers. And all of a sudden, two men emerge from the ranks of the Philistines. One was a shield bearer. That's all he had to do, just carry a big shield. That's all you got to do. The next was a messenger slash warrior. You've all heard of him. 
His name was Goliath. He was a relatively tall guy, like a few inches being 10 feet tall. He was super strong. He was dressed in armor. He was also well-armed. He had a javelin over his back, sword on his side. He carried a spear big enough to drop a rhino with. And he came out and he, and he told the Israelites, you know, I'm here. I, I got a message for you guys. Uh, the battle today won't be a free-for-all. It's going to be one-on-one. And here's what, the way we're going to do it. Send me your best man. And uh, you send your best man over, and if he can beat me, then and I'm sure he pointed to the rest of the Philistines back behind him. We'll all become your slaves. That's the, but it, if I beat him, you're all going to become our slaves. You, your wives, your children, you know, for the remainder of time, the Israelites will be slaves to the Philistines. How do you think, they, how do you think the Israelite boys responded to that? The Bible said they were terrified and deeply shaken. As a matter of fact, I believe they turned and ran back to the camp. Now, this is what would happen, is every day that would happen twice. I mean, every morning the Israelite guys would get themselves socked up, pumped up, let's go. They would go get out, they'd form the battle line, here would come the Philistines, out would come Goliath, same thing. Happened again in the afternoon, same thing. And not only did he issue this challenge, the Bible said that he humiliated them in the way he talked down to them. I think trying to prompt them to, you know, to, to, to fight him, anything he could do. But this happened twice a day for 40 consecutive days. 40 days they took a verbal beat down twice a day. Day 41, David shows up at the battlefield. He wasn't a soldier, he wasn't drafted, he wasn't recruited, he didn't come to fight. He came to deliver bread and cheese. <laughs> he came to deliver some bread and cheese and to go check on three of his brothers who were in the army. And wouldn't you know it, about the time he shows up, uh, this, the Israelites are in, the, in their ranks. And David's down there talking to his three brothers and out steps Goliath and he starts speaking, talking all this trash and and they, I believe they all fled. David goes back to the camp with them. And some, they're all belly aching. Did you see the size of that guy? And, and that, that trash talk, that happens to us twice a day. He talks to us like that. David is confused. I'll be honest with you. He's like, I'm not getting it. I don't understand why he's being allowed to talk like that to the armies of the living God. One guy stepped up and said, by the way, pal, uh, King Saul has put together an incredible incentive plan. If if anybody go kill him, they get out. That's a huge, great package deal. David said, kind of go over the details with me. Word gets to Saul. There's a guy down here that's showing some interest. Can't you imagine that Saul is kind of relieved, finally, somebody, and say, well, bring him to me. Well, he brings up David, who at this point in time is a teenage kid. Never been in a fight. Can you just imagine, Saul? Are you kidding me? I think David reads on his face the obvious disappointment. David said, hey, king, just let me say this. Don't worry about the giant anymore. Give me just a few minutes. I'll take care of him. You know what Saul said to him? This is a direct quote from the Bible. Don't be ridiculous. 
Don't be ridiculous. You can't win this fight. David said, well, there's something about me that you need to know. It's probably not obvious, but I'm just going to explain myself. God is with me. He helps me. And when he helps me, I do some crazy stuff. I'll give you an example. When I, you know, I, I keep dad's sheep. I watch his, you know, his flocks. And there have been times that lions and bears have crept in thinking they're going to get a free meal. And they grab a lamb and they hightail it out. And he said, I run them down. I take the lamb out of their mouth, grab them by the jaw, take my walking stick and beat them to death. That's not happened once, King. That happens often. Look at me. How would you explain that? That's not something I can do naturally. God helps. God is with me. He helps me. When he does, I do crazy stuff. He said, here's the way I got it figured. The God who's with me when I'm watching the sheep, he's with me now. And the God who's always helped me then, he's going to help me today. And the way I got it figured, that giant is no different from all the lions and bears that I've beaten to death. Give me a minute, and God's going to use me to kill him. Saul said, okie dokie. Have at it. He takes his shepherd's pouch. He takes his shepherd's staff. He's got his shepherd's sling. He stoops down at the creek, picks up five rocks, and he starts out on the battlefield. So here come Goliath sees, finally, finally they got somebody where the wherewithal is going to come out and fight me. So he's, I believe he's relatively excited until he gets close enough to see that it's just a kid. It's a kid with no armor, and all he's got in his hands is a stick, and Goliath is insulted, and so he begins to insult David. And then David begins to insult Goliath. But when David is insulting Goliath, he did it in a very spiritual way. You know what? There's a spiritual way to insult somebody, I guess. He said, dude, before we go any further, you need to understand something. When you pick a fight with God's boys, you pick a fight with God. The battle day is not mine. It's God's. And so I hate to tell you this, but he's going to kill you. And he's going to use me to do it. And once I've killed you, I'm going to cut your head off. You got it? Uh, how do you think Goliath reacted to that? Uh, it made him mad. So he can, I don't think Goliath was fleet of foot. I don't think he broke into a run, you know. But he picked up the pace. Well, David, man, he's nimble. He's young. He broke into a run. I believe he ran to a point where he knew, I'm now in range, rocking a sling, build a velocity. Whew, he lets it go. The Bible said the rock hit Goliath right in the forehead with such velocity that it sank into his forehead. Now, you know, these dudes, he had on the helmet, the helmet had a visor that you drop in situations like this. He did not. I've always thought his buddies were probably standing there going, he had a visor. Why didn't the dude use a visor? (laughs) And he fell face down, stone cold dead. Now, all the Israelites are watching, all the Philistines are watching. David made a promise, didn't he? I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to cut your head off. He walks out there, draws Goliath's sword out, and decapitates him. Now, at this point, the Philistines, they renege on this slave deal. They're like, no, no, we're not. They decide it's time to get out of Dodge. They begin to run. Well, the, it's a momentum shift. The Israelites, on the other hand, now all of a sudden they're full of courage. They chased them down, and, and they defeated them soundly. Now, while they're doing this, David is gathering up all the giant's weaponry. And he also gets Goliath's head. And, and you know, I was thinking this week, I, I bet I know why he did that. 
I bet when he's telling these big bear and lion tales, I believe he kind of looked on their faces and thought, they didn't believe me. So I believe he's saying, if they didn't believe me about the lions and bears, they're sure not going to believe me about the giant. But boy, when I pull this big baby out and I've got his head, they have to believe me. Now, while this is going on, King Saul leans over to Abner, his commander, the, the commander of his army. He said, who is that kid? And who's his daddy? Abner went, I don't know. Saul said, well, you better find out. So he goes and he gets David and brings David back to meet King Saul. David's standing there with this giant, bloody head. Introduce himself. I'm David. My daddy's a fellow named Jesse. Say, so, Ronnie, what did you want to see in this story? And I know that was a quick, abbreviated version. What did you want us to see? I want you to see what a difference a day makes. You go, what? I wanted you to see what a difference a day makes. I want you to use your imagination for just a moment. And imagine that you're part of a news crew that was sent to the Valley of Elah to do a documentary on the standoff between the Israelites and the Philistines. Uh, yesterday, Lynn and I had a free day, and we went up on the Blue Ridge Parkway, and we hung out together. And uh, Randy, I did the most romantic thing as we sat there having our picnic out in the middle of a field. I took out a notebook and a pen, and I said, Lynn, I need to interview you in preparation for my sermon tomorrow. She's like, what? I said, I want you to imagine that you're on a part of this news crew. You've you got to do a documentary on the standoff. And you're going from soldier to soldier on day 40. And you're asking them, you know, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? What do you have to say? So I can't take credit for the next part of this. This came from a mind much more brilliant than mine. She said, I can hear one of the soldiers say, we didn't see this coming. Never in a million years did we think we'd find ourselves in a situation like this. I want you to listen carefully because I'll bet you some of you have said some of these very words in the last few months of your life. Liz said, I can hear a soldier say to me, I've never been this frightened. Neither have I been this confused. I don't know what to do. Lynn said, I can hear a soldier say to me, this is all new to us. We've never seen anything like this. Nothing could have prepared us for this. This is like a bad dream. I keep hoping that I'm going to wake up. And discover it's just a dream. I, I hope and pray that this will end soon. So that we can go back to life as normal. Lynn said, I hear a soldier say, I don't like where this is going. I don't see a way out. We can't win. Maybe it's time to consider giving up. And said, I hear a soldier say, we can't go on much longer like this. Morale is at an all-time low. 
Every day we're a little more depressed. Every day we've lost a little more hope. Lynn said, I hear a soldier ask, why hasn't God done anything? Aren't we his people? Why doesn't he just kill that giant? Why hasn't he delivered us? I said, Lynn, what do you see in their eyes when you're interviewing? What, what do you hear in their voice? She said, I... feel their fear I feel their confusion their hopelessness their fatigue their desperation their depression I can see that they're in a state of shock I said well Lynn let's move the clock up one day day 41 you're still moving from soldier to soldier you're interviewing them what are the soldiers saying now she said, I can hear a soldier say, this is the greatest thing I've ever been a part of. This may very well be the best day of my life. Well, when God showed up, he showed out. She said, I hear another one ask, did you see David? Man, we learned a lot from that kid today. I, I'll never doubt him again. I mean, who knows what God has planned for this young man. Did you see the shot? Did you see that shot on that giant? It was awesome. That'll go viral by nightfall. She said, I hear soldiers saying, I wish I could describe what it felt like when Goliath hit the ground. It was like the world came off my shoulders. She said, I hear soldiers saying, I wish you could see, I wish you could have seen the looks on the Philistines' faces when David cut their champion's head off. I thought they were all going to throw up. She said, I hear soldiers saying, I'll be telling this story over and over again to my children, my grandchildren, anyone else who'd give me the time to talk to them. And she said, I hear soldiers saying, I'm so glad this is over. I'm grateful to David. I'm grateful to God. I never thought that our story could end like this. I said, Lynn, what do you feel? Lynn, what do you feel in their words? She said, I feel excitement, joy, gratitude, relief, amazement, and confidence. Lynn, do a good job? What a difference a, a day made. What happened, Ronnie? God gave a bad story a good ending. God gave a bad story a good ending. Now, what do I want you to learn from this? I'm going to be pretty quick here. But it's a lesson I want you to take with you today. Here's a lesson. God will bring good out of bad. Do you hear me? You need this. You need to get a hold of this. God brings good out of bad. Okay. Give me a minute. The Philistines declared war on the Israelites, right? That was bad. The Philistines were determined to enslave every Israelite man, woman, and child. That was bad. 
They decided that the fate of every Israelite would be determined by pitting one Israelite soldier against one Philistine soldier. That was bad because the Philistine soldier was an undefeated champion, a, Goliath, a, a giant named Goliath. Day after miserable day, Goliath relentlessly taunted the, taunted the Israelites. The dude just wouldn't go away. He just wouldn't give up. Man, that was bad, Justin. I'm trying to make a point. Some bad things were happening to the Israelites. These were not good times. This raises a question in my mind. Where was God in all this? I don't believe that God led the Israelites to attack the Philistines. I don't think he whispered in the commander's ears and said, you, you need to go and you need to go try to destroy these people. You need to. I don't believe God led them to do that. I don't believe God told them, you ought to try to enslave the entire nation. I don't think God encouraged the Philistines, it's time to unleash your secret weapon, turn Goliath loose against. I don't think he was leading them to do that. I don't think he took the initiative in any of this, but neither did he prevent it. And it could happen. You with me? I don't think God initiated these bad circumstances, but neither did he prevent them, and he could have. At any moment, Goliath standing out there cussing the Israelite boys, God could have popped him with a bolt of lightning and said, so much for you, big boy. He could have opened up the earth and swallowed him. He could have sent a pack of wolves out to devour him right in front of him. He could have just caused his heart to stop. God could have killed him a million different ways, and he did not do it. He let it happen. He let the Israelites find themselves right in the middle of a bad story. There's a lesson in this for us. God doesn't always prevent bad things from happening to his people. Did you get that? God doesn't always prevent bad things from happening to his people. Now that's not a lesson that you wanted to hear today and it's a lesson that many people don't even believe. But if you're a student of the Bible, you know this. God doesn't always lead his people around trouble. Sometimes just like the Israelites, he leads us right into the throes of trouble. Now this should raise a really important question in your mind. Why? Why would God let something bad happen to me? You want my expert answer? Y'all ready? Now this comes from years of studying the Bible. This comes from years of pastoral experience and years of personal experience. You ask, Ronnie, if, why would God let something bad happen to me? You ready for that answer? Ready? You ready? I don't know. I don't know. What a fool I would be to try to enter into the mind of God and explain his comings and goings and his doings. I don't know. I know what our assumptions are when something bad happens. We think that we've crossed the line. We've done something wrong and God's angry with us and he's punishing us. Well, that's, I don't think that's necessarily the truth, always. Uh, you think about this. The Bible is filled with examples of good people who experience some really bad stuff. You say, well, I, I don't make sure God loves me. Now, come on, get real. I'm not even going to entertain that one. You know, we know that God loves us. He loves us all, and he loves us eternally and unconditionally. 
You say, well, I, I think sometimes we experience bad things because we break away and we don't follow God exactly down the path He wants and we kind of take the path of our choosing and it ends up in some bad places. I don't know that that's necessarily the truth because let me tell you what, nobody followed God as closely and as, as perfectly as Jesus did. And yet, in the end of His life, He walked right into some bad, bad things. I know what our assumptions are when something bad happens. We think, well, God is just not a fair God. That can't be it because the Bible declares that our God is a righteous God, which means he always does right. He is absolutely incapable of making a mistake. If something bad has happened to you, I don't know why, but here's what I do know. God will bring good out of bad. Whoever thought that the Israelite story would have ended on such a positive note? A lot of good came out of a lot of bad. You say, like what, Ronnie? Israel won. And they won easily. And they won big. Not one Israelite soldier lost his life, his freedom, his wife, a child, or his property. The entire nation of Israel was spared. That's some good stuff. Isn't it that came out of this? The giant was defeated and defeated by a kid that had never even been in a fight. The Israelite soldiers found something they lost. They found their faith. They lost that battlefield. Now, knowing that God was with them, he helps us. And when he fights for us, nobody, nobody can defeat us. God used the Philistines and he used Goliath to advance his plan for David through David's heroism. God began to show the nation of Israel there's more to this boy than just a musician, poet, shepherd. It was in these dark circumstances that God began to show Israel that David was their next king. God brought a lot of good out of a lot of bad. He did it for the Israelites and I'm going to give you my word based on his word. He did it for the Israelites and he'll do it for you too. You say, okay, Ronnie, what kind of good will he bring out of the bad he's letting me experience? Okay, I'm going to give him an expert answer, okay? You want my expert answer on this? Based on years of Bible study, years of pastoral experience, years of personal experience, you know, what kind of good he's going to bring out of my bad? You ready for my expert answer? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. Maybe he'll do for you what he did for the Israelite army and he'll build your faith. Maybe he'll give you a front row seat and a rock to throw and let you watch as he levels a giant that's intimidated you for years. Maybe he'll show others that he's with you and in doing so he will open up a great door of opportunity for you just like he did David. Maybe he'll do for you what he did for Israel and give you a story that's so good you can't keep it to yourself. You've got to tell everybody what God has done for you. I don't know what good God is going to bring out of the bad you're going through. I just know he's going to bring good out of it. So in light of this, what am I recommending you do? You ready? Trust, obey, wait. You got it? You say, no, I didn't get that. You're so fast. Trust, obey, wait. When God has allowed something bad to happen to you or to your family, you trust, you obey, and you wait. Let's take them one at a time, and I promise you this. I might have six minutes left, and you're gonna, or we're all going to go, and we're going to celebrate Father's Day somewhere, somehow. Think about this. What do we do? We trust God. On the 41st day of the siege, there was one man on the battlefield that had faith. 
David. David believed God's right here. And he's not here just to watch us suffer a beatdown. He's here because he's going to help us. And when he helps us, he's going to take care of this problem. Because he's certainly capable. And when he gets through, our bad story is going to have a good ending. We trust in God. When you find yourself in a bad situation, it's important that you do the same. You've got to be confident that God is with you, that he's going to help you, and he can do anything, even bring good out of your bad. Without faith, your situation is going to go from bad to worse. You say, how could that be? You'll find yourself like the Israelites, terrified and hopeless. Without faith, your attitude will sour. You will question God. You will blame God. And You'll eventually become angry with him. Without faith, you'll focus only on the bad that he's allowed in your life. And you will sink deeply into depression. Here's a fact I'm telling you. Write this down. God is going to bring good out of your bad in time. So why don't you go ahead and trust him. Second thing is obey. We're going to obey God. What was the Israelite army supposed to do? They're supposed to fight. That's what they've been trained to do. And that's why they came to the Valley of Elah. But what were they doing? Nothing. They weren't doing anything. What about David? David did what a soldier was supposed to do. He fought. When bad times come, it's not uncommon to want to give up, is it? It's not uncommon to want to raise the white flag and say, I'm not trying anymore. Think about it. You've thought that. You've said that. How many times as a pastor have I heard somebody say that back to me? I just don't, I'm not even going to try anymore. God has allowed this, I'm hurting so bad, my loss is so, I'm not even trying anymore. Don't do that. Keep doing what you're supposed to do. Keep following God one obedient step at a time. You say, why? David did what he was supposed to do and what happened? God got involved. God acted. When David did what he was supposed to do, God did what he alone could do. Have you ever noticed this? God didn't act until someone acted obediently. God responds to obedience. When bad times come, obey God step by step, day by day. And God will eventually act on your behalf. And when God acts on your behalf, he's going to start bringing good out of bad. Number three, wait. God will bring good out of the bad things that have happened to you. I know that. God never wastes pain. If he allows something bad in our life, it's because he is up to something good. You ask, but Ronnie, when am I going to start seeing some good come out of the bad that has come my way? Well, Jesus experienced some bad things, and then just three days later, there he was. Everybody started seeing good come from the bad. So maybe you're asking, well, so what are you thinking, Ronnie? A 72-hour timeline here? About three days? If, if something bad is happening, give me about three days, I should start seeing the good? Well, the guys in our story, it, for them, it was about six weeks that they had some really bad stuff happen. But at the end of the six weeks, they started seeing a lot of good come from it. So you're saying, okay. So, somewhere between 72 hours and six weeks, we ought to start seeing some good come from the bad that, is, that God has allowed in our lives. Well, there's also the story of the Old Testament of a guy named Job. And 
for one solid year, some really bad things happened to him. But to the end of that year, he started seeing a lot of good come out of the bad. So you're thinking 72 hours, six weeks, a year maybe? Well, the book of Genesis tells a story about a guy named Joseph for 13 years. He had a lot of bad stuff happening. But at the end of the 13 years, he started seeing a lot of good come out of the bad. So you're saying, Ronnie, that somewhere between three days and 13 years, we ought to start seeing some good. Here's what I'm saying. I don't know when you'll begin to see good come from the bad that's befallen you. I don't know. It might be days. It might be weeks or months. It might be years. That's the bad news. The good news is that God hasn't finished writing your story. You know where some of you are? Day 40. That's where some of you, you're in day 40. You've been under siege for a long time. What a difference a day makes. Tomorrow might be for you. Day 41. The day that God begins to bring good from your bad. I want you to wait on God because God is writing a good ending for your bad story. If God has allowed some bad things to happen to you, he's going to bring good out of it. But in the meantime, here's what you've got to do. You with me? You trust. You obey. You wait. Maybe I should have added a fourth one. God will bring good out of your bad. Let's pray together. Maybe you're the one that God sent me here to talk to today. Maybe he's allowed some bad things to happen to you, to your family. I don't know why. But I do know this. Somehow, some way, at some time, God is going to bring good out of the situation you find yourself in. You hang on. You trust Him. You, you just keep doing what you're supposed to do. One day, one step at a time. You wait on him. Because God's writing an ending to your story. 
It's going to blow you away. It's going to blow you away. He's going to bring good from what you're going through. He always does. Father, thank you for just being a good, good father. And I pray this today as we honor our dads that we will remember you. And at some point in the day, we'll look up to you and just say, thank you. Thank you. For embracing me as your child. Treating me as your child. Now help me, no matter what circumstances I find myself in, to trust you knowing that you are a good, good father. In the name of Christ, we pray this together. Amen.